Yes, I have a dog. She's four and a half. Collie and blue healer. He's actually not too bad. The first couple of years we had him probably say a couple of grand. A big backyard, also parks across the road. Welcome to Real Talk, realestate.com.au's property news podcast. It's real questions, real experts, and real insights on the housing issues that matter with your host, Alice Piper. Hello and welcome to Real Talk. In today's show, we'll be focusing on our four-legged friends and just how much we love them. But more importantly, how much money are we willing to spend on them to give them the life they deserve? According to the RSPCA, there are an estimated 29 million pets in Australia. This gives us one of the highest rates of pet ownership in the world. Approximately 69% of households in Australia own a pet, with dogs being the most common at 48%, followed by cats at 33%. Not only that, but 6.5 million realestate.com.au users own pets. With the term pet-friendly being the number one keyword search on realestate.com.au from March to September in 2022. So, with this huge amount of furry friends in our country, just how do Aussies feel about their companions? Uh, I have a dog. His name is Murph. Uh, he's a golden retriever. A pug. He's 14. She's 10. Maybe about two grand? Two grand a year on pets? It's hard to keep track of. I'd, I'd probably say over five grand. Probably about 10,000 a year? I would say about 15 grand. She just did have an operation, so it's a lot. The home we got, we made sure that there was access to the outside for him so he could come and go through the dog door. He needs a backyard, somewhere that's all right for me to leave him in the day. But I did consider her in my consideration of the rental. Per week, I would happily spend an extra $50 a week. I've enlisted the help of industry partnerships manager at realestate.com.au, Sam Noakes. He's got more than 15 years in the property sector, helping drive growth and innovation across the industry and has an in-depth knowledge of the latest trends and best practices. Also joining me is Mark DiGiulio from Barry Plant, who is on the ground as a property agent and auctioneer for both humans and their furry friends. Welcome, Mark and Sam. Thank you so much for joining me. Excellent. He's super excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Anybody who knows me knows that my dog plays a huge part in my life. And in fact, my own property search has consisted of looking at places that don't just suit me, but that would suit her. And it seems I'm not alone either. The results of a recent survey undertaken by Animal Medicines Australia, it revealed that we love our pets so much that Australians spent collectively more than $33 billion dollars on our pets in the last 12 months, and that includes keeping them fed, it includes medical care, grooming, and accessories, which is obviously the most important. The research also claimed that, averaged out, Australians spend about $3,200 a year on their dogs and $2,100 a year on their cat. Sam, I know that you have a dog. How much money have you dropped on your dog this year? Well, we look after them with my mum and if it's up to my mum, probably everything she earns, I reckon, is probably about her level. But yeah, we're probably in for a couple of grand a year, I reckon, on each dog. Have either of you ever moved for your pet to give them more space? No, I haven't. No, but it was a consideration when, you know, my wife and I got married and I basically took over the dog from mum and dad and I was taking that into consideration. But yeah, she's not a pet lover, so no. Interestingly, while pet ownership rates are steadily increasing, including, you know, a huge explosion of pet ownership during COVID, the human birth rate is actually also slowly dropping. Um, and whether there's a correlation or here, here or not, like I'll leave that for people to decide. 
Sam, what are the trends here? You know, what does the data say about Australia's obsession with our furry friends and how they're interacting with housing? Obviously, the biggest group of people that have pets in Australia is families with kids. And I think, um, you know, whether it's in my lived experience or clients that I've dealt with in time, it's always going to be that biggest cohort, right? You've either got a kid beforehand and then you go and get a pet to kind of keep the kid happy and entertained, or you've got the pets beforehand and then you have the kids and then you never see the the pets, right? Because the pets go outside and the kids come inside. So I think when we look at that as, as a growth trend, especially over COVID as well, I think everybody expected there'd be this baby boom over COVID. Nobody could really go out and buy pets. You couldn't take your pets for a walk. Those types of things came into considerations, but also everybody started going to get outdoor space. Come out of COVID, everybody's got these courtyards, everybody's moved to places where they've got more space. And so that, you know, that that pet ownership rate continues to rise, whether it's through adoption, whether it's through new purchases. You know, the adoption rate at the moment for cats is one of the highest rates uh, in Australia at the moment. When I think about the 48% of people who've got dogs, uh, I think about, you know, 48% of Australians being really smart, really, really smart people, obviously. When we look at that in relation to property and that trend, that's where we saw that really big change over COVID. And we continue to see that change. You know, when we look at pet applications uh, in comparison to properties that have courtyard or outdoor space, it's always going to be a higher percentage for those types of properties where we've got properties that are only internal. Thinking about apartments or really small terraces, those types of things, you're going to see them drop away. The other really big considerations that we see in the data that suggest higher rates of, of pet applications from a rental point of view is when we look at properties that are fully fenced you know, properties that don't have adequate fencing or properties that might be, you know, elevated and they've only got, you know, know, rooftop terraces, those types of things are going to have lower pet ownership rates, really good quality gardens, but also what tenants call pet-friendly neighbourhoods. I think about places like Armidale where you can't walk down the street without a dog or, you know, there's 25 pet grooming places. Um, or if, you know, you're living on main roads, you know, there might be a bit of a downturn uh, or a turn away, should we say, for for people with pets, you know, because being able to get out for a walk, if they manage to get out the door, you know, they're not on a quiet street or running out into a park, they're running out into a main road. So they're probably the things we see when we look at pet ownership and property that come up in the trends. But Mark, as an agent, what do you see for buyers? Are property seekers making pets a really big priority when it comes to choosing their next place to live? Yeah, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. I'm seeing it every day. I've, I've got buyers coming into properties and a little bit like, okay, well, you know, I want something with a bigger backyard or I want something that, you know, has capacity to construct an aviary or I want something that is going to have walking trails and nice scenery to be able to have that environment for my pet. And, you know, if you're not going to be having a child, it's a little bit of that me generation too, I think, where having a pet versus a child, yes, it's responsibility. You get all the benefits and love warm and fuzzy factor of what you would normally have with a human, but you have less responsibility and you probably have a better lifestyle. If someone comes to an open with a pet, do you let them in? I do. Look, some of my business partners and, and other agents are probably more inclined not to, but at the end of the day, if it's going to create that warm and fuzzy, yeah, look, what do I do? I sell houses, but really I don't. I, I sell feelings. And I like to refer to myself as a bit of a property psychologist, a property therapist. And if the pet's going to provide therapy, just do it. Are you seeing people either shift to new areas altogether for their pet or are they willing to increase their budget in their current area for a pet? Yes, to both. Like, I mean, because of the whole COVID phenomenon, like, you know, you look at where I operate, I operate in in the Shire of Manningham, Nillabic and Whitehorse. It's green, it's leafy, the topography, the landscape, you know, it's conducive to having pets. 
Not that there's anything, you know, you look around here where your studio is, it's a bit of a concrete jungle. There's nothing wrong with walking a pet around there and getting a, a latte and a coffee, but I would pay more definitely to make sure that my family is happy and I've got the correct environment. And if you don't have a family and you've got a fur baby, well, cough up. Yeah, you, you pay the cash, you do what you got to do. And even here in Richmond, yeah, we see that just behind us here in the studios, um, the park in Mary Street, which is not Fleet Park, right? And people will always choose to be closer to Mary Street if they've got dogs, right? They want to be able to close, go to the park, let the dog off the lead, take a few phone calls, listen to a podcast, do whatever it is they're going to do in the middle of the day, and then, you know, be able to go back home without having to walk all the way around the suburb. Makes sense. I think it just depends on, A, what is your type of animal? B, what's your budget? And then people will make decisions around that. And if that's the most important thing in your life at that point, you'd gladly pay for it. Absolutely. Sam, when we look at the rental sector, what are the insights we're seeing in rentals? How have the law changes around tenants and pets been received by the industry nationally? It's a good question. Since 2021, the pet rules have been changing in each state. So in Victoria 2021, the the new um, rental legislation came in. In fact, actually pets got released early and essentially allowed for tenants to be able to to have pets where the landlord's not able to unreasonably withhold consent. Funnily enough, I actually did the first, working my life as a property manager, I actually did the first VCAT case uh, in relation to pets, which was really fun because I hadn't actually built out any of the process for it yet, right? So even the member was like, I'll have to do this decision in a few days. Ended up on the front page of the old son. We had a tenant who had a uh, German short-haired pointer and they were living in a three-story terrace. The only outdoor space it had was a rooftop terrace balcony. Barriers, I think, on this top level were like maybe a meter, maybe one one. The owner and ourselves, we said, you know, what happens if the dog goes for a jump, right? What if the dog wants to explore? You know, what happens if a bird lands on the balcony and it thinks, oh, that looks yum, I might try for that. Dog ends up on the on the ground floor, you know, we don't want to see that happen. So we said, no, you can't have one. Anyway, tenants were happy with that. So we went to VCAT about it. And the member actually ruled and said, no, it is reasonable because the tenant said they're going to take them to, home, to work with them every day. And uh, when they are home, it's going to be inside. It'll never be left on the top balcony by themselves. And the very happy photo of all the housemates with the dog on the front of the held sun. Uh, really put that point forward. But um, so since that happened in Victoria, it was kind of, you know, th- they created some further rules around it to, to clarify what reasonably withholding consent means. Since then, that's come out in Queensland only just, uh, I think it was the end of last year in Queensland happened as well. And there's this point around that seems to be really consistent where the laws are changing, which is the landlord cannot unreasonably withhold consent, right? So if I'm one of Mark's clients and I'm out in Donvale and I'm on 3,000 square meters with a 700 square meter home and it's fully fenced and I say, well, I'd like to have one border collie, please. It would be unreasonable to withhold that consent. It's an appropriate property for an appropriate pet and it's okay. Conversely, if I'm here in Richmond, I'm on a postage stamp of 130 square meters in a Victorian terrace and I'd like to get maybe two wolfhounds or a small pony or 27 cats, then that would be unreasonable. Anytime it, it crosses over the, the council prescriptions as well, it would be de- deemed as unreasonable. Those types of changes are, are happening from state to state. Every other state, pretty much, it's the landlord's choice. It's at their discretion. Or the act is just silent or it doesn't say anything, which means you can contract around. Okay. So, Mark, I know you deal with sales, but if you do put your rental agent hat on for a minute, what can a renter do to put their best foot forward when they are applying for a home with a pet? Do you think it's better to lie and pretend they don't have one in case it affects their chances of getting approved for a rental or totally be honest and say, I have this type of pet and put them on the lease? Like, what can they do? 
Dishonesty in real estate, never, no, never. Look, in in my experience, I, I reckon there's a, a heap of people that are putting in applications with dogs, cats, and oh, I've seen it. I've gone in for purposes of sale and the property's currently a, a, a rental and I'm going in and there is a big Alsatian or, or a Husky that's just sitting in the backyard. It's like, um, is that meant to be here or is it just visiting? So, It's, um, mum. it's mums. It's always it's mums. Mum. Always mums, yeah. They're just here for, for a couple of hours. Absolutely, Sam. I tend to think honesty is the best policy. Most landlords are, are understanding and considerate and, you know, they're probably pet owners themselves, so they're generally happy with that. Okay, so when I applied for my rental property here in Richmond, my dog is actually on the lease. There's a nice photo of her. I dressed her up. I made sure she had a nice little bio about herself. I really put her best paw forward, I guess. But I've heard a little bit about uh, pet resumes. Sam, can you talk us through that? I love a pet resume. Pet resume is probably one of the kitschest things I've ever seen. It's very quaint. And tenants will put together between a paragraph And I think the longest I've had was about 17 pages, which included the entire medical history and all vet checkups, including all their vaccination certificates all in one document, or I might call that one a dossier, I think. And essentially it's, it's tends to put together a bit of information so that the owner can feel like they get to know the pet. You know, essentially what they're saying is this is not just a dog. This is my dog. It's not just a dog. It's, it's Harry, it's Fluffy, it's whoever it is. And here's all the things you should know about it because he or she is the best dog there is. We spoke to some Australians about their own property journey and how their pets are playing a big role in that interaction. I have a dog, uh, a cross uh, collie and blue healer. She's 10. In the past 10 years, probably about 10,000 a year. I have never really thought about it, to be honest. So what sort of things did you look for? Just to make sure that she's got room to move. A big backyard, also parks across the road. Just areas for her to swim in summer as well. Yeah, yeah just lots of walking areas. It's like our child. <laughs> okay, so Sam, if we move to the new home space, both in apartments and houses, are we seeing any design changes in apartments and houses to better cater for pets? Yeah, absolutely. I think when you look at especially new apartment developments, you know, here in Melbourne, there's one that is particularly trying to attract buyers and tenants that have got pets. And we're seeing that more and more. Yarra One in South Yarra down in Claremont Street has an in-house pet wash. There are dog concierges and dog walkers in some of the buildings in Sydney. There's a, a building, I'm sure it's in Brisbane, don't quote me on this, that's got a giant cat run in it. And so when you go down to the common area, they're able to, to play around. You've got new housing developments uh, in Greenfield space where they're putting dog-friendly parks right smack bam in the middle. They're ensuring that, you know, not only is there all the common types of convenience you expect out of a housing development now, including accessible play spaces, but also they've got these safe uh, off-leash parks they're putting in as well. And, you know, if you went back 10, 15, 20 years, they're just not considerations. It's not something that's showing up. This ultimately comes down to the way that people are searching for properties. They want to know that there's that convenience. They don't want to move into an apartment building and have to think, oh, am I going to have a problem? Mm. Is there going to be, you know, is the concierge Mm. going to be telling me off? Because it's easy to hide two great Danes when you're in a single front of terrace in Richmond, right? Because realistically, no one's really seeing you. But when you're in an apartment building, you don't have that, that luxury, I should say. Right? You've got a concierge, you've got building managers, you've got your neighbours who 
you know, will always be the first to dob on you and you can't get away with that stuff. So tenants are going and choosing these types of properties that have these amenities and developers are spending big on them as well. And I think a lot of developers as well are looking at it from a point of difference perspective. You see a lot of developers doing uh, eco-friendly buildings and high-tech buildings with all the gadgets. And, you know, if they're building towards that very fluffy market, wouldn't it be nice to be able to buy a property and your neighbor has common interests, common ground. And, you know, if the Great Dane's going to be barking and maybe making some mess everywhere, your neighbor's going to be pretty considerate of it. And I think, you know, you look at the the changing office environment as well, right? You whether it's here at REA, we've got a dog room out the back where you're able to book in to have your dog and bring him to work with you. If you look at the Commons as a co-working business, you know, I was in their, their new building down in Wellington Street in Collingwood last week. Their centre manager basically almost had a requirement that you have a dog. There's a huge wall of all the dogs that live at the Commons. They've all got a space. Everybody knows they are. And, you know, they're encouraged to bring them in, even more so than bringing your kids in. They'd prefer you brought your dog in every day than bring your kid in a couple of days on the school holidays, which I love. I just thought that was fantastic. So you're isolated if you're not bringing in a pet. Or what? Imagine trying to work at that place without a pet. I think that's great in that places are so uh, pet friendly and everyone's so understanding of that and everyone loves it. But I do definitely feel sorry for people who perhaps aren't afraid with dogs or maybe they're allergic or maybe they've had a traumatic experience. So do you think all of that stuff needs to be taken into account as well when you're just dragging your pet around everywhere? Absolutely. I think when you look at, I think it's Queensland in their their body corporate rules as well, is that, you know, you need to be really cautious of that in Queensland specifically. If you're going to get um, your pet into a lift, you have to request permission of the people who are in the lift already, whether or not you're allowed to enter with your pet or you'll need to wait for another one. So that's absolutely a really important consideration. And there's also the unspoken pet etiquette, I reckon. If you're walking in a building or you're, you know, outside or going down, like, I mean, how often do you get a little child or someone approaching you and they just pat your dog? Like, I mean, I think it's the unspoken, hey, excuse me, do you mind? And and see how people feel about it. Mark, you spoke a little bit about some alterations that are being made by owners to properties, like the garage that was turned into an Avery. What is the craziest alteration that you've seen someone make to their house for their pet? So I've had plenty of people, you know, I've had same-sex couples come in and say, Mark, you know, I, I, I don't particularly care about this particular property. It's a three-bedroom. We're going to turn it into a two-bedroom. We need to get, you know, more living area and it's going to accommodate my dog. That's probably the one that stands out for me. I've had people that have converted garages into aviaries. Well, that's interesting. But my favorite is this tenant who clearly doesn't know how much water weighs. Everyone's seen um, Juice Bigelow, Male Gigolo. Everyone remember that? Remember when he's like doing the exercise in the Gigolo's house and there's the giant fish tank? Don't if you turn those off, they explode? Don't know. Good question. Maybe someone can write into us and let us know. That's a really nice feature. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, these tenants decide, well, we're going to live there. This living space is really big, opposite to Mark's problem. We'll separate it. How will we separate it? We'll build a temporary wall with a giant fish tank in the middle. So they're renters? Yes. Oh, God. Thought they'd build a giant fish tank, stud wall in the middle, didn't tell anyone. Anyway, we go to the routine inspection and the tenant says, uh, you can't come in. I said, well, well, why was that? And they said, well, we're going to be a problem. Can you explain? Uh, the floor's fallen through. When did it fall through? Oh, a couple of weeks ago. And we're like, oh, okay. Did you want to tell us why? And they're like, ah, crap. All right, come in. Anyway, so here's this fish tank that is half submerged in the floor. Because as they were filling it up with water to house all of their tropical fish, which were in little bags like along the side of the wall, 
because they obviously hadn't been able to put them in the fish tank. They filled up the fish tank. It's obviously got, you know, several, probably a hundred litres, a couple hundred litres, whatever it was, of water, which weighs several hundred kilos on timber floors that were just, you know, uh, the Joyce and Bearers just weren't prepared for it. <laughs> it had crashed straight through the floor and was now sitting on the dirt un- underneath the house. And they were had been spending two weeks trying to figure out how they were going to, yeah, the perfect tenant. Wow. Oh my gosh. Wow. So we've spoken a lot today about the climbing rate of pet ownership, how pets are really seen by landlords, how buyers are spending more to accommodate their pets and what they're doing to existing homes. I guess it's clear that our love for our furry friends really is shaping the way that many are interacting with the property market. Thanks so much, Sam and Mark, for joining me. It's actually been really fun chat. Uh, Before we go, I do have one kind of quick fire question for you both. Mark, what is the strangest buyer request that you've ever had in relation to a pet? Have you ever had a property sale that has hinged on something being right for someone's pet? I haven't necessarily had a strange property pet request when they're buying, but I think probably one of the weirdest I had was when I went to auction for a property in Templestowe and the client decided to bring her pet in a handbag and every bid wasn't by her hand, but by the paw of her doggy. Someone, yeah. a prospective buyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. So, yeah, right. And the paw's so tiny. She's like this. And I'm like, look, you know, I felt like saying to her, I go, look, just put the bag up in the air with the dog at the same time and I'll just take the bid. But she was literally like getting her little paw and going, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> It was, it, was really, it, was really quite, it was really quite gorgeous. It, it, it was cute. Um, look, unfortunately, she didn't secure the property. Dog didn't no, like but, it? No, but it was fantastic entertainment for street theatre, let me tell you. It was great. Wow. Sam, you seem like you've got one too. Talking about the darker side of things, we were talking about that before we started. And it's not in, in people choosing the property, but the need to come back. So we had, um, it's actually happened a couple of times, but it was most recently we had a property that had settled that people had moved in. It was probably six months later. Anyway. The vendors come and knock on the door and they say, oh, hi, we stoned the property. And they said, oh, did you want to take a look around? Anyway, and then they look at the guy and he's got a big shovel in his hand and they, they got quite scared. They're like, oh, what are you doing? He goes, ah, I need to get the dog. And they're like, there's no dog here. And he's like, he's under the apple tree. And Oh, the vendor. Oh, they buried their dog under the tree. Oh, and then they sold the house. Oh, my God. He had a big plastic box and a shovel and went and got Fido and, <laughs> and then left. And that's the impermanence of housing. (laughs) Wow. That could definitely add some value, I reckon. Oh, my gosh. Right. Apple tree was growing really nicely. (laughs) (laughs) That is so morbid. Um, All right, Sam, what's your best advice for pet owners in the rental market? As a landlord, be open to it. People who've got pets will be at home every single day. They're not gone for long stretches of time. They've got to look after the pet and they'll generally keep it pretty neat and tidy. And if you're a tenant, don't ruin it for everybody else because all it takes is one story to get around with landlords or to make their way, way its way on the news. You do one thing wrong and you ruin it for 50, 60, 500 other tenants who then can't you know, or struggle to get a pet in. So be responsible. Let's hope a couple of the landlords aren't listening to this podcast (laughs) with some of the stories I've just said. Hey. All right. Well, thank you very much. 
Thanks for joining me. This has been Real Talk. For your weekly fix, please follow wherever you listen to your podcasts and tune in next time for more real questions, news and insights on the topics that matter most from realestate.com.au, Australia's number one address in property. All information provided is general advice and opinion based on current market conditions. These opinions should not be treated as investment advice. Always obtain advice based on your individual circumstances. Real Talk acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, air and community. We pay our respects to elders past and present.